Welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with my other host of the program, Cindy Berry. And, you know, Cindy, last time we talked, it was, that, it was you know, after the All-Star game and that disaster game. And the Detroit Red Wings, you know, they came out. They won against Vancouver. They come out. They go on that West Coast trip that we were worried about, me and you were both worried about. And they held serve. They went 2-2 two and two on the road, and they won that one game at home. So they ended up going three and two since the all-star break. So that is a good thing. Obviously, I think we were both worried about this Western Can- Canadian Seattle trip that they had going on. And it doesn't get any easier when they come home to play the Avalanche on Thursday. Anytime this team goes west of the Mississippi, I get nervous, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, you know, there's just something that happens there. But, you know, you had said that you would hope that they – you were looking for a split. You'd have been happy with that. I, you got yeah. what you wanted. So that was good. And then we've got, had that game, you know, that home game winner against Vancouver, which was a nice little bonus there. I think that that helped uh, balance out kind of the even split out of there, out of the West, but um, you know, out of Canada. Um, but what I like, and I, and I posted this online too, under, in one of our chats, one of our groups on uh the uh, Red Alert podcast or Detroit Red Wings news powered by IQ as I really like what I'm seeing right now from the Red Wings. I like the way that they're playing. I like the fact, and Derek Lalonde alluded to this. No, I actually flat, flat out said it. He's like, you know, it's not losing. It's how you recover from that. You know, how do you get back to it? And look how the Red Wings have rebounded. I think that's a very good indicator that this team is, starting to really pull it together here. I think they're going to finish strong and uh, lock in a playoff spot. Yeah. I, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of concerned. They were concerned earlier in January. You remember that when we were talking about, people were talking about trading Patrick Kane away, but Patrick Kane over the last five games has been one of your best players, seven points in five games. And then you had Lucas Raymond, three goals and five games. I mean, Lucas Raymond's having a great season regardless, but I think what I'm I, I like to see from this team is players that you didn't think were going to be like great players, you know. Like I didn't think that Daniel Sprong was going to be as good as he. It, you know, we had hope for him being a good player, me and you both. Yeah. But I don't think we thought he'd be this good, and I don't think that anybody thought Jake Wallman would be a top ten uh, defenseman in goals. Like, I just don't think anybody's thinking about like that, you know. Now, obviously, there's just some deficiencies with this team, especially on the goaltending end. And obviously, if you're under a rock, Huso got injured again, and he's week-to-week uh, week now. So, But James Reimer, there's one thing that you could say about him. He's, he's uh, I think he's 55 saves out of you know, 53 shots against, and he has 55 shots against and 53 saves. And that's pretty good since the uh, start of the new year. So... James Reimer is playing a hell of, hell of a game, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by this team. And I I know that you you know last time we were talking, I, I said they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. But the way that this team is playing right now, I I just love the way that their mojo is going. And you said it best after the they lose some of these games, right? They're coming back and they're making they're not they're not letting it hover over them. You know, they're not letting it you know sit there and and get stagnant. You know, they're not. They're not waiting around hoping that, you know, something's going to change. They make the change. And I think that's that's a special part about this team. Well, and that's what a champion does. That's what I like about what I'm seeing is I'm seeing them skill-wise, but they're evolving mentally 
psychologically becoming winners. And I've often said, even from the very beginning, several seasons ago, that you've got to win the game in your head before you win it on the ice. And so what I see is I see them beginning to win the games in their head. I see them winning the psychological game. And I can't remember who said it. And it it's I know it, but I can't remember it. But who said, you know, 100% of this game is psychological and the rest is what, you know, and the rest is skill, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really a psychological game and anyone who's risen to the ranks high up in anything will tell you it's all really about the mind over matter. So I see them making that transition. With regards to Daniel Sprong, you know, it's interesting because I've been saying, hey, you were right all along. You said Alex Lyon was your most was going to be your biggest surprise as far as players go. We we predicted this at the beginning of the season. You predicted that Alex Lyon was going to be a guy to watch. And I do believe if you go back into our archives, look yep. at that most surprising player, Daniel yes, Strong. Yeah. So I I mean I saw some things, I saw hints of this and suggestions, and uh, there you go. So do we know our stuff or do we know our stuff? But I saw hints <laughs> of this in uh in training camp. And I'm seeing a lot of, of what I saw in training camp really start to rise to the top here at a time when the wings really need it. Patrick Kane, no surprise to me. I didn't believe the naysayers at the time. And I'll tell you why, Joe, because when I heard Patrick Kane, I saw him in interviews. I saw the look in his eye. I saw the his conviction in his demeanor, in his the, the words he chose to use. This guy had something to prove coming off that injury. And there was no way that a guy like Patrick Kane was going to come off that injury and not prove everybody wrong. And they all thought that he was going to struggle. They all thought that, you know, he wasn't going to be as good as he once was. I can tell you, that guy had made the decision right off the hop, probably before he even went under the knife, that he was going to come back from that surgery being as good, if not better, than he ever was. Yeah, that's the thing about it. You know, a lot of people, I think, I think they judged him a little bit too early. You know, I think a lot of people do that in terms of they kind of they kind of judge people based on like, OK, the first couple games obviously didn't go their way. But that was when they were coming off that Sweden trip. And, you know, obviously nothing was going right in their mind. But, you know, Patrick Kane, the last five games, seven points in five games is is really good, uh, obviously. But he's I think what he's doing to help this team more than we actually thought me and you actually thought because we were one, we were one of the people that said this. We said that leadership in the locker room for Patrick Kane is unmatched. And when you got a guy like, when you got a guy like David Perron in the in the locker room, and you got a guy like Patrick Kane in the locker room, and you got a guy like Jeff Petrie in the locker room, and you know Ben Sherratt in the locker room. I mean, I think Sherratt's a pretty damn good leader. But when you have guys like that on your roster and in the locker room for the young guys, the Lucas Raymonds of the world, you know, the, uh, the Joey Valenos of the world, the Mike, you know, the Michael Rasmussen's of the world. Don't think that they're, they're not taking notice of these guys and what they do every day to get better. And that's where you kind of, you know, when, when we talk about the Iser plan, we talk about, you know, eventually he's going to go out and get his guys. He's going to go out and get guys that he wants and that, that are going to fit this team. And that's what he's done. You know, he hasn't been, he hasn't been where he hasn't been aggressive to where he's making stupid decisions and bringing in people that are bad for the culture or the locker room with a young team. He's bringing in guys that legitimately are great leaders. They're great for the young kids. And 
later down the road, three or four years from now, when they're competing every year for the Stanley Cup, people are going to look back at this this moment in time, and they're going to go, and me and you are going to be like this. We told you so. That's right. We told you so. Because this is what the Isaac plan is. It's not, you know, I always, I laugh at people when they think it's like this quick process of rebuilding, you know, especially in hockey. It's, that's not, it's never been the way it's been. But when you look at this Rebels team, and you look at the, the the growth over year over year since the expansion draft, when they had to kind of they couldn't call up the players that they wanted, I, I assume. Uh, since then, they year over year, it's been growth, 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 and they're gonna they're gonna hit their stride. But you know, the young players that you think are gonna be key to this team, some of them aren't even here right now. So that's what that's that's why I like what they're doing, and I like that Patrick Kane came here because. You know, it's one thing learning from David Perron. It's one thing from learning from Jed Petrie. It's another thing to learn from Patrick F. and Kane. Oh, for sure. That's like saying, you know, you have an opportunity to learn from, you know, um, Gordy Howe or Ted Lindsay or, I mean, you can yeah. bring those guys back. It's like learning from those guys, some of the best to ever play the game. Patrick Kane is no doubt going to go down as one of the best players to ever step on the ice, you know, lace up skates. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality. And um, I'll bet he's happy as hell, by the way, to be out of Chicago. I, I know he'll never say that, but my gosh, are they a dumpster fire? If they, <laughs> we, we said that, too. Cow. We said that, too. We said, we said that. But, you know, you know what's funny, though? Is like we everyone knows that listens to this podcast. You're a you're a politician. You're in politics, so it's like if you got to learn from Ronald Reagan or Kennedy or yeah. you know some, someone along those lines that has so much charisma, so much you know they're so good at what they do in in terms of the everyday parts of the job. You know, it's the same thing for any any field. Like if you get to learn from the best that do it, and they're and they're working with you every day, you start to pick up on things that they do. I think that's one of the most important things that could happen. I think what Pat, what Stevie Y did getting Patrick Kane was a brilliant move because I think it really put light into this team saying, like, look, Stevie thinks that we could do it. And if you listen to some of the trade rumors, which we'll get to later, he, it seems like he's going to go out there and buy, which we're not accustomed to him doing in Detroit since he's got here because, frankly, there hasn't been a reason to buy in anyways. Right. He was going to buy when the time is right. And I think the time is becoming right, which is going to be a great re- relief to all the Wings fans who's been who have been waiting for it. I really hope uh, – I, I was really happy when we got Patrick Kane. I kind of had heard it. I had heard about the Debrinket thing, and we, you know, we had let people know that on our podcast and on our pages and stuff like that uh, before, before it really broke. Um, I said, hey, look out for this, look out for that. Uh, it's because I had already talked to some people and I, we were hoping it would come together and it finally did. I hope that we can actually hold Patrick Kane for the balance of his career. I hope he'll, I hope he'll hang on for another two seasons. We can sign him to a two year deal. That's what I really, one of the things I would really love to see, lock him down for two more years, have him retire out and uh, maybe be here for that Stanley cup uh, run and probably the Stanley cup acquisition you know, in 2026, that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. We definitely have another piece of the puzzle uh, locked down again with Rasmussen. It's interesting because people had said, well, they're not sure if Steve Eiserman's choosing the right people. Maybe he's not thinking of this or thinking of that. Steve Eiserman, 
identified as soon as he got here, if not before he even got here, players that he wanted, players that he liked. He saw, he knows what he's looking for. He saw it right off the hop with some of these guys. He knew, I knew Dylan Larkin is going nowhere, right. uh, regardless of his performance, really, because so long as he's continuing to work the Iser plan, he's on board with that. If he has a little bit of a slump, Steve's going to let him work through that. Rasmussen. Steve has always liked Rasmussen. He just likes the guy. He likes the player. That guy's not going anywhere. So all these things that people said, oh, maybe they'll do this or they'll sell off this guy or trade this guy. Steve Eiserman does everything for a reason, and he knows what he's looking for. He knows what he likes. So uh, it doesn't surprise me to see Ras sign another four-year deal. I hope he'll he'll lock down um, – um, you know, he locked down Debrinkit. He locked down Cop. All those guys are still here on their – contracts from signed from last year long-term deals you can see this the team steve's putting together it's it's really quite transparent you know the guy holds a lot close to the vest until he lets you see it and when he lets you see it he's sticking by it you know what i mean unless something dramatic happened one of the other things that happened minor minor thing but uh you know a guy that i got the opportunity to spend some time talking to during uh during training camp that was a couple of years ago was matt luff uh, Luff has kind of been a guy who's been in and out of the lineup. They put him uh, on waivers. Um, yep. So uh, just the other day, uh, you know, good luck to Matt. I hope he, he's had a little bit of a rough go since he's been in the NHL, but uh, a nice enough guy. And uh, I think he's got potential. I think he's just had some rough patches there. So let's hope he can get over that. But uh, he was definitely excited to be here in Detroit when I talked to him, just to have the opportunity to play with this team. And so I like that attitude in and of itself, but um yeah, got a couple of things happening. I think we're going to see a couple more things uh, as we talk about the rumor mill coming up. Yeah, and 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 Matt Lop, he cleared waivers. He's back in Grand Rapids, so that's good because uh, I I do like him as a depth forward. I think him and like Austin Zarnak, those those guys, they're they're key pieces because you never know when you're going to need them. You know, the very it's this league is so it's so topsy turvy. One minute you could have all the players healthy, and the next minute you could have like eight players out. So that's that's the key part there. But as we get to the rumor mill, um, you know, and then we'll I, I got some prospect stuff we could t- we could talk about too. Um, but um, so the rumor mill is, is is interesting right now. And obviously, I think if there's a lot of rubbing fans, there's one rumor that's going around that's absolutely insane. But that's not going to happen. And that's Kaprizov from uh, Minnesota. That's that's not going to happen. But there are some rumors that are involved in the Red Wings. I think the fourth period put out uh, that the Red Wings are keen in on kind of uh, Jacob Chikrin from Ottawa, the defenseman, uh, and Frank Vatrano from uh, Anaheim, which, you know, I told you about Anaheim, Cindy, in the earlier podcast. And just so happens that he's Italian. And, you know, these Italians, I can't get away from them, man. Bellino, <laughs> Fabri, Cindy. Your girlfriend. <laughs> my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> where's all the, you know, where... I love the food though. So it's all good. We're good. Yeah. You're but. surrounded though. You are surrounded and you can't escape us. Uh, Italians are, are, you know, they're, they're like, they're like that, that, that beautiful, but no. annoying little butterfly that keeps fluttering around. You're well, just not going to get rid of us. Think about it. I do a Lions podcast. Who was a major player for the Lions this year? Sam Laporta. There you Italian. go. You know, Fabry, Villano, all these guys. I'm like, man, how many, how many, uh, Am I gonna get like Sopranos next? You know, <laughs> just, it just just be careful. We don't don't piss us off. Just and we'll, we'll you know you don't want well, to whack you or anything. Yeah, I've I've, I've experienced that, but <laughs> not the whacking. But 
Right, the being, you know, yeah, you don't want to make us mad. It's not cool. You piss off an Italian woman, it's not good. That just, I'm just putting it out there. Because Anyways. we never let you hear the end of it. That's why. That's exactly, you know, I got good training from you. <laughs> That's right. I try, Joe. I do what I can to mentor those going into the, the uninitiated. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you do you do a good job mentoring. Now, some don't take your advice. You know, some are like the uh, Philip Zadinas of the world. And some what do. are you going to do? I tried with Zadina. I tried. I tried. I tried with Zadina, and I and I tried with with my friend Joey Valeno. And Valeno, thank God, uh, uh, took the advice, and I think it's it served him well. Uh, Philip Zadina, I I can't tell you. You know, young kids don't listen. I I don't know what else to say, but uh, I do my best. I do my best. But it's, uh, it's just it, I'm interested to hear what you have to hear because there's one player that I didn't mention. Uh, that could be coming. That could be a person that kind of Steve Steve Eisenman kind of likes. Mm-hmm. And and this hasn't been mentioned by a lot of people, but from what I've heard from people that I know, and I'm you had you know the same people. Calgary is selling off pieces. Okay, it's it's abundantly clear. Yeah. Now there's one there's one player. Now I know people in you know in in Detroit Red Wings land, they know what Steve Eisenman's about, right? He likes to get these young players that are going to help him in the long haul. So there's a player in Calgary that is only going to come into a U.S. market. That's 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 the main thing. He's going to sign an extension in the U.S. market. That's basically what the the, the bugaboo is, because a lot of Canadian teams want him and he doesn't want to be in Canada. So it's Noah Hannafin, the defenseman from the Calgary Flames. And the reason I bring up Noah Hannafin is because he is going to be on the trade block. You know, he is a guy that is. Uh, potentially going to get moved from Calgary and the fact that he wants to go to an American team. I mean, this is a good spot for Detroit because we know something about Steve Eisman. Me and you don't both know. And, and everyone that knows the Red Wings know. He likes to get people that are going to be a part of the future for this team when they are, you know, Stanley Cup contender. And there's and a guy like Noah Hannafin would be absolutely phenomenal to have going forward. You know, if let's say you lose a guy like, Sharat or Petrie in the next two years, right? You got a guy like Noah Hannafin who's a who's a who's, who's a good defenseman. He can pitch in offensively, can pitch in defensively, and I think you know once he gets under term, you know under a contract, Steve Eisman is going to have the cap space to do it. It would be a great move for Detroit, and I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be in on him, like the Devils and all that stuff. But I think the Detroit Red Wings have a really good shot to land Noah Hannafin. Well, the good news is that Steve has, as you said, he's got the money to do it. He's got the cap space to do it. Uh, I will tell you that, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, Chikrin would not surprise me because that is definitely someone that has been looked at for longer than people realize. It was just a matter of waiting. You know, so much of the business end of hockey is waiting. You're waiting for guys to develop. You're waiting for guys to become available. You're waiting for the right opportunity when a trade makes sense. You're looking, you're waiting to see if your team's going to be in a position that you're going to be buying at the trade deadline. Um, All that stuff. It's a lot of waiting on the business side. And that's the one thing why I think Steve Eisenman has been so successful as a GM is that he's a very patient man. Um, He doesn't push bad positions. He waits until he puts himself in a position 
of strength in, in, in a, in a bargaining type of situation. So that's one of the things that served him well. Um, are they going to go for Noah Hannafin? Maybe, maybe. I, I do think their first target is going to be Chikrin. I think it has been for a long time. Will they be able to pull off both? Maybe. Um, Steve is very creative when it comes to, you know, three-way deals or, you know, getting – he's very good at giving up little and getting a lot um, because he see things, sees things others don't see, and he also has his game plan in mind. Uh, and, again, that patience factor. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I would expect to see Chicken first. I think that's the number one target. And then I think there's another target out there that nobody's talking about yet, but um, it falls on the defensive side. Yeah. I think there's a lot of players that that that, that Stevie Y could go and get. Uh, to be honest, I think that – I think he's going to be a little more aggressive around this trade deadline for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he wants to get this team into the playoffs and have them experience playoff action like Cider and Raymond and, you know, and, and kind of see what can happen because you never know what can happen when you get in the playoffs. But it's, it's interesting because there's so much that they could do because they actually have, you know, trade pieces. A lot of other teams don't have the pieces that the Rowings have. I mean, if we're going to be honest, I mean, the only team I think that has the pieces that the Red Wings have is maybe the New Jersey Devils. But I don't think the New Jersey Devils are going to, you know, I don't think they're going to give up the farm for the guy like, you know, Chikrin or Noah Hannafin, you know what I'm saying? So that's 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 what you look at with these two teams, that, that uh, with especially with the guys that we mentioned, you know, Hannafin and Chikrin. You know, I know that Chikrin would be a great add. I, he, defensively, he's a little bit kind of uh, – He's a little bit here and there, but overall, Chikrin is a good player. And uh, he hasn't had the greatest of time in Ottawa, but who has? Because Ottawa's a freaking dumpster fire right now. Right. But, you know, that's just that's just the way it goes. And, and I, I like what Eisenman's doing. You know, you said it best, Cindy, and I'll reiterate it. He's not stupidly aggressive. He's not selling the farm for pieces that don't matter. What I think he's going to do is sell pieces for pieces that he thinks are going to be here long term. That's what he's going to do. He's not going to go out and get some 40-year-old forward or defenseman or whatever. He's going to get guys that are going to be here for the long haul that he's kind of he's kind of set his eyes on, you know. That's what I think. And he's not afraid to spend the money. You know, people thought in the beginning no. that Steve didn't want to spend the money. Why isn't he spending the money? He's got all this cap space. I'm talking about maybe 3 years ago, 4 years ago. Why is he bringing in kind of all these has-beens or, or guys that they weren't really marquee players? Uh, they thought that he wasn't part of that market. Steve will be part of that market when it makes sense, but he's not going to do it when it doesn't. So you've seen, for example, his confidence in this team this year and as far as what he feels, how close he feels we are to making a serious run. And I, I think you're right. We talked about this before. He wants to get his Stanley Cup core that he – I believe he probably has, like, I agree with you. He doesn't have it all yet. There's going to be people that are going to be part of that team eventually that aren't even here yet, but he's got his core. He's got his young core. He's got Raymond. He's got Cider. He's got Larkin. He's got Rasmussen. Uh, he's got, you know, those core guys. And now he's locked down these, these long-term kind of intermediate players like Debrinket and 
cop who are are more veteran line. And then you've got guys who are just all-time greats like Patrick Kane. So he's going to bring in some veteran. He's going to bring in some uh, big names. Uh, he's not afraid to do that. We saw that with Debrinkin and Kane. He, I think he believes that this team is ready to make, to make it to the next level, whatever that might be, however deep they might go. I think he knew that. I think he had a, a suspicion that was this was going to be the year for that based on his plan and how he sees things developing. So I feel that he will bring in – it would not surprise me to see him bring in some real, some real uh, firepower and real talent, um, and I think he'll be willing to pay for it. But this is the time he's been waiting for to make that move. It's going to be a matter of if the deal is right. That's the other thing. Steve's, Steve is also very keen on the business side. And yep. as much as he might want someone or something, he's not going to push a bad business proposition. So he's not going to overpay, but he's he's going to be willing to pay for what he wants if if the other terms are right. Well, that's, that's the key part. You know, the terms have to be right for Steve Eisenman yeah. to make a deal. And, you know, a lot of people talk about Steve Eisenman back three years ago. You know, we remember this to a T is why doesn't he spend the money? Well, the reason he doesn't spend the money is the reason that they have money right now because they didn't go out and spend stupid money on players. You know, this year they got a little aggressive in free agency, bringing in 11 uh, free agents or 12 free agents. I forget what it was, but they, they brought in these free agents because personally, I think that Stevie Y goes, okay, enough of building the prospect pool. I need to start winning. Uh, We'll, 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 let these kids that are in Grand Rapids and and in in the, the WHL with Nate Danielson or Swedish Elite Hockey League with Axel Sandin Pelica, we'll let them get better. We're not going to rush them up like we did Cider and Raymond, like where they had to come up right away. We're going to let these guys get better at their craft, work at all their kinks. You know, Simon Edmondson's the same way, and there and then we'll see him when we see him. That's the part that Stevie Y has absolutely nailed, and that's why he's able to go out and get a guy like, if he goes out and gets Chikrin or Noah Hannafin, that's why he's able to do that because he can go, okay, I bring in Noah Hannafin. I know that I have Simon Evanson, Pelica still coming up the pike. Like, we'll be fine. You know, I think that he's made a pretty damn good uh, prospect pool to where if he does get rid of a player for another player, it's not really going to hurt them. You know, there's there's a lot of depth in e- either area that they can get rid of, and uh, I think that he's that's that's what they're kind of. I think that's what Steve Weisman was waiting for, was the prospect pool to be good enough to where if he does take someone away, it's not going to be like, oh my god, we got we took that guy away, right? That's what that's what I think he's looking at. Well, I can tell you this too. It's very clear if if people are paying attention that who Steve Weisman brings in, it's not just a matter of what they have on the score sheet okay he will not bring anyone here who doesn't want to be here he's going to bring someone here the guys that he's going to bring here in addition to all the other things that have to be right on the business side and the opportunity and all of that he's only going to bring players here who want to be here and be part of something special so many of them say that they said it on the lions they're saying it on the red wings too you know i want to i'm coming here because i want to be a part of something it's more than just the money it's more than just the the business opportunity. Uh, it's more than, you know, whatever. It's a matter of, I want to be part of what's being built here. I want to be part of the culture. And a lot of people don't want to consider that as, as a significant factor, but the reality of it is, is that 
on both sides of the coin here, that's a significant factor. Culture is everything. And if you're not bought into the culture that Steve Eisenman is building here, he's not interested in you. He doesn't care how talented you are because he knows what a lot of us know who, who build winning organizations. And I'll be honest with you, you know, you mentioned myself, you know, I'm a politician. Yes, but I'm also an administrator and I'm building, I'm rebuilding a team too. And um, I, I've done it several times in my career and rebuilt teams. And I can tell you that if it doesn't matter how good somebody is at their job, if they aren't bought into the culture, if they're just going to become a toxic poison pill that you're fighting an uphill battle with all of your new guys or all your new talent you're trying to develop. Steve knows this and he's not going to fall into that trap. So when you see people coming here, it's going to be guys that the first litmus test they have to pass with him is do you want to be here and do have you bought into the culture? Are you on board with that? Well, you just brought up a great point, and I, I kind of want to bring this up because this ties into what we're talking about, and I'm going to bring it up on the Lions podcast too. Actually, I brought it up yesterday on my Facebook, but Anthony Rendon, he's the third baseman for the Angels. Now you're saying, why am I bringing up baseball? I'm going to tell you why I'm bringing up baseball. Anthony Rendon told the media that he doesn't think of baseball as, you know, it's his key job. He just thinks of it as a job. I understand if you're going to say that, but you do have to realize that you have, you're playing, first of all, you're making $38 million a year. So when you say that to the fans, it's kind of slapping the face of the fans. And second of all, that shows that the general manager of the Angels, the owner of the Angels, has no clue on culture. Because you bring a guy like that into a locker room, you know, you know championship people, Cindy. You know people that have won championships at high levels in, 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 in the NHL. In, in boxing, you know, we, we know we know that person. Right. And it shows as well. You know, you know those people. And if you said that to these those people, do you understand that they would be so pissed off that you brought someone like that into their locker room or their organization? Or let's put it at a, at a you know, with you. You bring that person into your your you know your organization as you know the political field, it's just a job. Well, sometimes you have to you have to kind of take, you know, you have to have, you have to care about what you're doing, period. Absolutely. To just say it's a job, you know, and then, you know, that's going to, when you have other coworkers or other people that are on your team, they're going to be like, yeah, it's just a job. I mean, eventually you're going to have a team full of people that are not even trying. You know, they're not, they're not playing the, as well as they should have. And they're not putting in the extra work. And I think that's in, in professional sports, that's the key. The extra work you do outside of practice outside of the walls of the facility do you get your body right do you sleep enough all that stuff plays into the factor and that's what happens with the what's uh with um is anthony rendon kid i mean if you're the angels you're like you're sitting there going what the hell why did we bring this guy in here right sure i mean and obviously you alluded to some of the the folks that i'm privileged to know and blessed to be friends with and things like this. And I can tell you, we've had a lot of these conversations, you know, like recognizes like we've all had levels of success. And, and we talk about, you know, it's important to have work-life balance. I mean, there is that. Okay. So I don't know, maybe that's what this kid was alluding to, but he, it just didn't come out the right way. But at, but at your core still, you have a burning passion. You got to have a burning passion for what you're doing as your job, because otherwise it is just a job. It has to be a passion. 
you have to because you will do what's extra that's required because Thank the reality you. is you know it, it's kind of like if you if you make it to the big team right you make it to the big league you make it down the team and you're on the roster that's great you know in my case you get elected hey that's you think that oh i made it that's the, the end that's just the beginning and yep. how you do that job how you perform after that is all you because everybody's kind of on the same playing field. Everybody got elected. Everybody on this roster made the roster. Okay. So you're all throughout the league or throughout the field. You're all recognized as being qualified. Okay. To, to play the game. But now how you play the game is the complete difference between the winners and the losers between the champions and, and the people who, I do not know one champion in anything that ever said, I just did the minimum or, you know what? I didn't try that hard or I just collected my check. I showed up. It doesn't, that doesn't cut it. And you've got to want to win more than anything and you'll do whatever it takes to get there. So I don't know what this kid is thinking. Maybe he misspoke. I mean, at the same time, you can't have, you know, your family suffering. Well, they, I saw that, uh, you know, Shaq had some suggestions for, for Jason Kelsey in retirement or whatever. And he said, you know, don't lose your family, though. You know, I'm in a 100,000 square foot mansion by myself. I get it. Sometimes that balance gets off. And now you are so consumed with one aspect of your life, whether it be work or whatever, or extracurricular activities or whatever you got going on, that other things fall out of balance. I'm not suggesting that. But... I also know that everybody who's become a champion has 100% those other parts of their life usually behind it when they're on a run and they give it all they got, 100% commitment. That's what it takes. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's required. I think it's necessary. And I think Steve's looking for guys who aren't here to collect a check. He's looking for guys that want to be part of what he's doing. So um, I, I, I think we're starting to put that together now. Yeah, I think when you yeah. – I think when you go with the, with the prospects and you, you talk about the, the players that he's bringing in, Eisman's bringing in, that's the kind of guys that he wants. Passionate. They're here for what they're here for. They're not here to, you know, to collect a check. And that's that's a critical thing. You know, when you're rebuilding a team like Eisman has done, and now you're on the precipice of potentially becoming a Stanley Cup contender, that's what you need to be Stanley Cup contenders. You need guys on the roster that are going to do whatever it takes to win the hockey game. Period. End of story. And, and I, I know. He's I, put, and that's what he's putting. Yeah, no, Eisenman's not going to bring those people, the people that in that are, are going to, you know, waffle and, and, you know, not take advantage of the opportunities of before them, you know. That's the key part here. Like, we're, we're, we talk about the Eisen plan all the time, but the reality of the situation, the Eisen plan is very simple. He wants guys who are going to be here, guys who are going to make the, the – the, they're going to put the work in to become that team like he had to do when he was playing. Yeah. He was put on notice by Scotty Bowman, too, when he felt that Steve was maybe not quite putting in the effort he should or he was losing focus. or And he's like, hey, look, man, I'm gonna, I'll trade you if you don't get your stuff straightened out. And – um and, and and Steve did and and look what he what he was able to accomplish as part of you know there are a lot of other pieces obviously that came together but they all shared even though they had different backgrounds they had different skill levels 
They had, they all knew their role. And this is something that I was told by people that have been on that team. Uh, and I'm talking about like the 97, 98 wings, uh, you know, the 02 team, 08, whatever, um, is that everybody knew their role. And I think that's the other thing that's important about whoever Steve brings in here when we're up on this deadline where, or and he's looking to maybe be a buyer here. And that's what we're talking about and who he's going to be retaining, who you see him giving long-term contracts to. It's also guys who know their role. They don't yep. need to be, you know, they don't need all of the the special treatment, praise, and everything else that say Connor Bedard gets or or Connor McDavid or or whatever, or even, you know, Marshawn and all those guys. They don't need all of that. They understand their role, and that's what they're going to do the best of their ability. So, um, I and I come back to Darren McCarty a lot only because I think he's such an underrated player. I mean, the the and we've talked about this, and Joe, you pointed out very well oftentimes how critical of a player he was and a critical member of that squad. Even though he was a depth forward, he was critical to the success of that team, and not just because he beat people up, but he did that job probably better than many of the other he, – he performed his role better than many of them. He didn't have yep. to be a massive goal scorer. People forget that when Darren McCarty was in juniors, he was recognized as one of the top goal scorers when he was, uh, he's always been a top goal scorer, but in the position and what they needed him to do on that team, he did, and he did score when he had to, but, but Darren could have been a, a huge goal scorer if that were his role, but he understood that they needed him in a different capacity and he did it probably better than anybody else or I wouldn't say anybody else, but he did it incredibly well. And that's gone unnoticed sometimes, but you need guys like that with that kind of awareness of what they're there for, what their role is and, and fitting into that. They're not all competing to be the next Connor McDavid. They all want to be the best player they can be, no doubt, but they don't need to have all the accolades. They don't need to be the marquee player. They have to understand that they're all on that cup, not just one of them. Yep. when that happens so so whoever you see him bring uh rest assured they're going to have that kind of an outlook and um and patrick kane is is really a team player even though a lot of people thought he maybe wouldn't be he's kind of got a little bit of a reputation of maybe not so much but i'm sure i'm sure that he and steve had a very uh solid conversation about that 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 was he, there he was gonna have to have an understanding he's part of this team and I think he was looking for someone that was going to give him a chance. So, um, you know, who would believe that that he was going to be what what he's turned out to be. So, who who do we see out there? Is it Chikrin? Is it yeah. Hannafin? I, I maybe I I think so. I, I do know Chikrin's been talked about quite a bit. So that's the one I'm looking to see. Who else are we going to see? I think there's a couple other defensemen out there that might be might be on the move, and there might be a couple teams who are not in the position they thought they were going to be in. Um, yep. I think the New Jersey Devils are still making their way, but I think, quite frankly, I think the Devils thought they'd be in a much better position than they're in right now. Well, I don't think I don't think Philadelphia thought they would be in a playoff spot right now. Like that's the one that shocks me is Philadelphia because they were talking about rebuild in Philadelphia. They're in a playoff spot in the third spot in the Metro, like, and they're and the thing about it, they they're missing their goaltender. Because their goaltender was involved in the Hockey Canada rape case or whatever. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, uh, just John Tortorello, you talk about old school coaches. You know, we know old school coach, uh, you know, Mr. Shannon. 
Uh, and, um, <laughs> you know, old school, old school coaches still have a spot in this game. I don't care what anybody tells you. I know there's a lot of players coaches out there. You know, there's not many, uh, you know, old school coaches out there anymore because the players are kind of different type of players now. But a guy like John Tortorella is getting the most out of that team. The absolute most. And that's a credit to him. But, yeah, you're right. New Jersey Devils are out of a playoff spot. The Pittsburgh Penguins, who made a trade for Eric Carlson, they're out of a playoff spot right now. The New York Islanders, who were in a playoff spot last year, they're out of a playoff spot right now. You know, the Capitals. Yep, I mean, I'm sure that's I'm sure the Senators and Buffalo Sabres thought that they were going to be in a playoff spot this year, and it's been absolutely dreadful for them. So, you know, it's, this is part of the hockey hockey uh, season. You know, you, you never know how it's going to end up. And, you know, teams like – I remember reading something earlier in the season where they said that the Red Wings were going to be just above Montreal for the last place in the division. And Montreal has been better than people thought too. So it just goes to show you that this is a game still played by men – is this game still played by on the ice? It's not played analytically as much as people want to think it is. It's it's not played, you know, on paper at all. It's still a game. And and, and I think that the Red Wings have put themselves in it, they put themselves in a good spot where I think coming down the stretch with the games that they have, you know, with the teams that they have coming down the stretch, I think they're gonna make this playoff. And I'm convinced that, you know. The Maple Leafs, the Toronto, the Tampa Bay Lightning—they're not as good as they're not as good as they once were. You know, I think I think Toronto is a little bit fraudulent. I think Tampa Bay is kind of struggling right now, especially with Sergeyev out. It's huge, and if you're a Ravens fan, this is your opportunity to take advantage of it. And I know Stevie Y is going to see. I think he's like that bull seeing red right now. You know, I think he sees what's happening with Tampa Bay and losing Sergeyev. And he's like, I'm going in and I'm going to get me a guy. That's what I think he's doing. I think so, too. And, you know, since you mentioned Toronto, um, Toronto is one of those teams that I, I, I think they rely on a couple of good players. I don't think I, I just don't. I think that's why they keep failing. They they're enough to get them into the playoffs, but they can never make it. You know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. They can never. Mm-hmm make it to the finals they can never get that stanley cup it's going to evade them until they balance that out and because we, you mentioned toronto that, that actually brings up another point i wanted to talk about when we were talking about who steve spent money on who he didn't who thought people thought he should he caught a lot of hell for not oh, signing yeah. tyler bertuzzi and nope. i said at the time and i think you agreed with me that that was actually a very smart move on his part I, I can tell you Tyler's team was not buying into the culture of, Hey, we're something special. He's, he was looking for a paycheck. I think he, I think they overplayed their hand with that. I, I bet you that Tyler Bertuzzi is regretting the choice that he and his team made. And I say his like bargaining team, his agent and so yeah. forth. And, and I think really that had a lot of influence on him. Uh, I, I think if he could turn back time, he would, uh, but but he just wasn't a fit. Steve saw, a, a, I think he was looking into the crystal ball and saw things that other people didn't have the ability to see. He saw what was going to be, not what what was. And unfortunately, Tyler Bertuzzi has, you know, he, he was great. He, he was great with Boston, but then he goes to Toronto and, and it just has not worked. I think he's. I think he had peaked. You said he peaked. 
and I think we were right. I hope not. Tyler's a good guy, like Tyler, but um, was not the right fit for the Red Wings. Will we see him back? That's the other question. Yeah. And a lot of people think, are we going to see him back? And um, it's kind of like, did you learn your lesson? You know. Because I think that with this with this Red Wings team, I and think, I think that, will you know, we see Tyler Bertuzzi back? I think there's a chance we might, but you're sure as heck not going to see him at the rate that he would have gotten before, and I think he's going to be regretful of that. Yeah, I think you know what you said about you know, it, it, could he come back? I absolutely think he could come back. But when Steve Eisenman made that trade, number one, he was getting phenomenal value from it. That was number one, and that's what got you Axel Sandin Pelica. So that was a huge, huge trade. Well, I think no, that was a heroic trade they got you, Axel Sandin Pelica. But in the in the end, though, you're talking about a guy who's getting a lot of a lot of uh, good use out of his guys. Yeah, yep, no doubt. So we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I feel that whatever Steve's going to do, it's going to put him in a position to uh, to make a certainly a playoff run this year. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I would love to see him in the third spot. It's not like it's impossible, but I, I don't think we're going to catch – you're not going to catch Florida or Boston. They're locked in. I'd like nope. to lock in that third spot. And so we've talked about some of the week. And I'll very easily go on, go on a bit of a losing streak. I think uh, they've got one game in hand uh, on us. So we're yep. close on points, but they've got a game in hand. But, yeah, you know, we've got a couple games in hand on on uh, Tampa Bay. So I think yep. we'll – it gives us – I feel comfortable that we're going to lock down one of those wild card spots, providing that things don't go off the rails. We got 27 games left, 54 points up for grabs. We'll see how the how the wings play them out. Yeah, and you know the next couple games are going to be telling. I, I know you know the Avalanche game looks a little bit scary to me. Um, you know that's a, that's a game that I think can go either way because I think Colorado is still a great team. Um, the Blues game, I think the the Rubbings could beat the Blues. I think they could beat the Blackhawks. Obviously, they play a lot of teams that are kind of middling. You know, they play the they play the. Uh, let me pull it up. They play the Blues. They play the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I know they play the Capitals, but uh, yeah, that's they play the. Um, hold up. They play. They play. They play the Blues. After the Avalanche, they play the Blackhawks and the Capitals. That's what they got for the next week. And I look at those last three games, Cindy, and I I think those are winnable, totally winnable games. You just the only game that's away is I think it's the Chicago game, which I'm not really worried about Chicago because I mean if the Red Wings play the, the way they play, and I think Patrick Kane will really love to go back to Chicago. I, I really do think that'll be something that he's gonna really enjoy. I think that if you're uh, if you're a rubbing fan like the last the next four games are are totally winnable games you just got to continue to play and me and you both said this on the last podcast people go back and check we said seven the six wins was the was a great stretch for this team moving forward and they have a shot to win if they win you know they if they win three of those games they won six games if they win all four they won seven yep I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about uh, the Islanders coming in on the 29th. I'm a little worried yeah. about the Islanders. I think uh, they're, they're one of those teams that can really surprise you. Colorado always worries me. Every time we play yeah. Colorado, it worries me. Talk about a psychological factor. I mean, <laughs> that's one of those teams that everybody's, you know, your radar goes up. Same thing with Toronto. 
your radar goes up. Those are always the ones. Much. St. Louis is a good chance we're going to beat them. They're coming to, to um, LCA. So I think home game probably will beat them. I fully expect to beat Chicago. I mean, that's not even a, that's not even a question. I, if, if they lose to Chicago, I will be. They better make that game up in, a, in another way. Whatever, all of his career. He knows that ice. He knows. I fully expect him to be a huge asset there. As you pointed out, he's going to probably enjoy going back there, showing them, you know, they're going to love him there anyway, even though he's with us. And and, and Chicago is just an absolute disaster right now out of so many levels. Everybody is yeah. just so enamored with Connor Bedard. I think they've forgotten about the fact they're in last place, or maybe it helps them forget the fact they're in last place. But um, <laughs> we got to beat Chicago. That's a given. So I, I think good chance on St. Louis. I think it's 50-50 on Colorado. I think we're going to take down Chicago. Not a problem there. I think we're going to take down the Caps. I think the Caps are a bit in a skid. I think they're. Uh, I think the Capitals is, is another one that I would say mm, – 60-40, we should win that, 60%, 40% likelihood. But then you got the Islanders, and that's the one I'm worried about. So if, if, if we're going to lose any of them, uh, I think I'm most worried about Colorado and the, and the Islanders out of the next five. I, yeah, I agree with you totally. I, I agree with you totally. Um, that's 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 what I think with those four games that you got coming up, they're, uh, they're very physical games, and uh, I think that uh, – you know, you're gonna have a shot to win all four. To be honest, I think Colorado coming into Detroit is 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 gonna help them out a lot. So that's what I think with those four games. And I I know that a lot of people kind of get up for snuff with the uh, with the Avs coming in, but these four games are winnable because primarily a majority of them are at home. So I mean, you just gotta love the way you can take advantage of home ice. That's that's the main thing. Well, and they'll be on two days rest. You know, they got to take a, a travel day there, but then they'll be rested uh, another day before they have to turn around and, and play Colorado. I don't know what Colorado's schedule looks like. I don't know if they're coming off. Uh, I didn't get a chance to look, see if they're coming off a stretch or, or if, you know, how rested or, or how not rested they're going to be. But we can certainly take advantage of the fact that they've got to travel. Then they're not going to be, be at home. But um, if we can walk away – with three out of the next four, and I think it's very doable. I think we're very well positioned. Even if we go in there and have a tough time with the Islanders, then we're rolling into March after that. And I think that March is really, that's the month to watch. As I've been told, when I was flipping out earlier this this season, I was told by the man himself, Cindy, what? it's not time to panic. That's like in March. Okay, well, Darren, March is, is coming up. So <laughs> if if we don't take three out of these next five, I might just start to panic a little bit because the really the wings are on the bubble. It's not like they're sitting there in a comfortable position. They could really go either way and they could slide very, very quickly uh, and see their their playoff hopes go right through their fingers with with a bad stretch here. So it's it's important that they play really disciplined, they continue to play their game, continue to do what they're doing and to stay focused. I will feel much better once we are kind of got that more locked down. Once, once we're into March and we've got some more wins under our belt here, um, we're still on a winning trajectory. I'm going to be okay with it, but still right now 
it's still, I'm, I think we're in the danger zone still. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good, good portion of schedule to have veteran leadership in the locker room. And that's exactly what we hit on earlier because you know, this is the, this is playoff push and you gotta, you gotta play your game, you know, to a T and you can't let off. And if you, if you do, you're going to get beat. And I just think that this rubbing team, I think with the veteran leadership, they're not going to get pushed out, pushed around and, and, and fall apart. You know, I think that they're going to be fine. And, and as we look forward, you know, I think we got two weeks to the trade deadline. So all the people that are out there with the podcast, uh, if there's something that breaks, we'll break, uh, I'll break through. Maybe if Cindy's available, we'll both break through, break through on like the Facebook live or something like that, because you never know what could happen in these, in these next two weeks. So just keep an eye out for that. But uh, as we close the podcast, I just want to let you know about that. So to all the people out there. Yeah, hundred percent. We're going to be staying on top of all of this. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of more in the clear after next Tuesday, you know, everybody, uh, all our you got special, you got special, you got special uh, things to do, you know, and, uh, and I will take care of it. I'll captain the ship, you know, we're not going to, you know, this is not just, you know, a podcast. This is a, you know, I'm, I'm excited to do it. So we're good to go. I'm not like, this is a labor. we talked about being passionate, right, Joe, this is a labor of love. We've been doing this for what, about three years now. And, yep. uh, through some harsh moments, through a couple of elections, through a you know a couple of uh, major major changes and moves and everything else. So, <laughs> but this COVID. Is <laughs> COVID, right? This is important to us though, and because we know that we're as passionate about the Red Wings and their success as all of you who listen to us. We promise you, if we get any information, we share it with you guys first. We always say, listen here, because you're going to hear it first. A lot of other, one of the reasons people, and just take a minute, Joe, the, the other, people can listen to a lot of the traditional media, a lot of the sports media, a lot of the, I would say generally, you know, the accepted, some of the podcasts that are affiliates or something like that. We are not affiliated with anybody. The good news is for all of those who listen to this podcast is we are not bound by any agreements. We don't have to be quiet. We can say what we want, when yep. we want. We don't have to wait to break news. We don't have to. We don't have any of those agreements. Um, so you're hearing it real and raw, and, and usually you're hearing it first here. So we have mm-hmm. the flexibility and the freedom that a lot of those other guys don't. I'm not saying don't listen to them because there's great ones. We listen to them too, 32. Right. You know, Joe listens to them. I listen to them. There are a lot of friends of ours have podcasts that we listen to. I'm not saying don't listen to them, but I'm just sharing with you why we're a little different. And make sure you add us to your list when uh, you're you've got your podcast playlist. Make sure Red Alert Podcast is on there because you're going to hear things you won't hear anywhere else. Well, I think that's the thing that we're going to we're going to end the podcast on because you know traditional media can get a lot of stuff wrong, and they're bound by you know agreements like you said with them, anything. We're not because we don't want to be bound by agreements because who the fuck wants to who the hell wants to be <laughs> you know, bound by <laughs> nobody owns us. We yeah, no one, people. no one tells us what to do, so we tell ourselves what to do, and if, <laughs> whatever we see fit. And if we want to break news, we'll we'll break news. We don't have to worry about you know. The one of the things I heard when we broke the Alex Debrinket stuff is that we stepped on someone's toes, and I was like, I don't even know who you are, so you can go fly a kite. But it's been it's been it's been a great podcast, Cindy, and uh, obviously, 
or next two weeks will be interesting, especially for you in the next week. So <laughs> it's hey, going to be. I'm just, I'm just running this one. I'm not on the ballot, thank God. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited where the Red Wings are headed, and I can't wait to have another show with you, my friend. Yep, and we'll see you guys on the next Red Alert podcast, a Detroit Red Wings podcast on the Between the Whistles Detroit Sports Network. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. And please subscribe to our YouTube. We're going to get that up and going, too. I'm going to do daily videos pretty soon. But I had an issue with my camera, so a lot of people are wondering about that. That's what's happening. But uh, we'll get we'll get to you guys. Uh, and then whenever something breaks, we'll definitely break through on the podcast page or the YouTube page. I'll, I'll put it out there and uh, just stay tuned to that and uh, subscribe, rate, and re- review so we can get uh, we can put, be put up in the algorithm, as they say. In the, so, uh, we, so we can be trending. We want to be trendy and trending. Yep. Trending. An independent pe- podcast <laughs> becoming trendy. That's great to see. All right, Cindy and everyone out there, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in the next podcast. We talk more Red Wings hockey, especially going down the playoff push. It's going to be great to talk about a playoff push, Cindy, and not like selling off players. So that will be great. Love it. All right, we'll see you guys in the next podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next podcast next week. Thank you. See you then.